Wouldn't it be nice to be rewarded for practicing good medicine? You're listening to ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Dr. Bill Rutenberg, your host, and with me today is Mr. Francois DeBrant. Mr. DeBrant is the CEO of Bridges to Excellence, a not-for-profit organization that designs and creates programs that encourage physicians and physician practices to deliver safer, more effective, and efficient care by giving them financial and other incentives to do so. Mr. DeBrant serves on the board of directors of MassPro, the advisory board of the University of Connecticut School of Health Administration, and eHealth Connecticut, Connecticut's Health Information Exchange. He is a member of committees of the National Quality Forum and the National Committee for Quality Assurance. Today we are discussing Bridges to Excellence Program for Physicians. Welcome, Mr. DeBrant. Thanks for joining us at the Clinician's Roundtable. Well, and thank you. Could you give us a little history about Bridges to Excellence, how it got started, and where you're operating now? Sure. The Bridges to Excellence got started as a really an initiative of some of the larger employers in the country, and it was designed to uh, stimulate improvements in the quality of care that physicians were delivering to employees of these employers. And so from a modest beginning, focused almost solely on these large employers, it has grown to a national program that involves all types of health plans, payers, purchasers, and physicians across the country. Could you give us an example of some of the larger employers that are part of the program? The usual suspects in the large employer community, General Electric, Verizon, UPS, Ford, Procter & Gamble, Johnson & Johnson, I mean, basically the marquee names that you can find as you go down the list of the Dow Jones Industrial 30. And the board of directors or the advisors to Bridges to Excellence, what sectors do they come from? They really cover and represent the multi-stakeholder aspect of the organization, which is something that we've really tried to stay very loyal to from the beginning. And so there are some employer representatives, there are quite a few physician representatives, and some health plan representatives. And the product development itself, who's involved with that project? It's Again, it's a combination. We rely really a lot on physicians for the development of the programs, either convened by independent third-party organizations like the National Committee for Quality Assurance, or more recently, we started working closely with specialty boards like the American Board of Internal Medicine, and we're in conversations with the American College of Surgeons. So it's really primarily designed by physicians, although the programs themselves are always co-designed by employers and physicians. There's a significant difference between those that are actually practicing medicine and those that have the time to be on the boards and committees of all these organizations. Do you have some physicians from the trenches contributing to the process development? Well, that's a great point, and we really have tried to do that as much as possible. And and you are right that when you get into the committees of many of these organizations, you often find non-practicing physicians And we really have tried to beta test and alpha test all of the programs with practicing physicians around the country so that ultimately you do get that reality check. What's a passing grade from the primary care physicians? In other words, if you test the system with them, you know, if 50% say, "Uh uh-uh, do you redo it? No, we don't. I mean, what's interesting is that the consensus processes really work very well. And by the time we get to alpha and beta tests, we have never gotten a down vote. I mean, what what happens mostly is you get reactions on specific metrics or the criteria around the metrics, including performance thresholds. And yes, we have recalibrated those given the feedback. 
what distinguishes the Bridges to Excellence program from other physician profiling programs, from other pay-for-performance programs? Well, probably the single biggest distinction are the data that we rely on. And the data really are a combination. Well, I don't know if combination is the right word, but they really come from two sources. One is the medical records of the patients in that physician's practice. And the other ones are self-reported data surveys, for example, that are filled out by the physician or the practice on the types of systems and processes in that practice. The data come from within the practice, and I think the distinguishing characteristic relative to, for example, claims data, which are the ubiquitous way of of, uh, profiling physicians, is that we never really get into any attribution issues with our methodology because, you know, it's the patients that go see that physician and not someone else's uh, patients. I think that's really critical. I'm sure many of the audience are aware of the fact that New York Attorney General Andrew Cuomo basically sued the insurance companies for profiling based on costs. So to me, this is really unique. Now, how is the medical record data culled? I would assume it must require electronic medical records, or do you do it manually? It really is up to the physician. So clearly, those that have electronic medical record data are advantaged in performance reporting because it is easier for them to extract files and to extract information on their patients and to submit them. When you have to do it manually, it's a lot more time-consuming, and time, of course, is, is money. And I think that's one of the reasons why collecting data and extracting data from medical records, in particular paper medical records, hasn't been used as ubiquitously as claims have, uh, although clearly you have far fewer problems from attribution, and even the depth of the data are significantly greater when you start looking at, at outcomes. But, you know, I think the, the choice ultimately of whether or not you have an EMR really is the physician's, but very clearly if you do have one, it makes the reporting a lot easier. I'd like to welcome those who are just joining us to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM 157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Bill Rutenberg, your host, and I'm speaking with Mr. Francois de Brandt, and we are discussing the patient-centered medical home. I also understand that you use national, or at least trying to get national standards rather than regional standards for performance. Is that true? Yeah, and I think that's another important aspect of any robust quality measurement scheme. And, And you need to do that because ultimately the variation that exists from one region to another is pretty substantial. And so the way we try to accommodate for that variation, or at least account for it in some fashion, is by creating different levels of uh, performance. And so we really think about our level one performance as being uh, roughly around average performance today. So any physician that is, you know, above average, and I understand that that's a, it's a subjective statement, but we try to turn it into a, an objective statement, uh, should be able to get to level one. There are very clearly uh, some areas in the country where performance measurement and reporting and accountability has been enforced for quite some time. And so the proportions of physicians that could qualify for level level one versus level two versus level three does change from region to region, but the measurement scheme doesn't. You mentioned several levels. I'm a practicing pediatrician, and as my partner and I say, we're just a couple of poor old country docs, so we don't have an electronic medical record. And you know, now I'm eager to learn more because you said I could sit there and manually go through my records to qualify. What would the process be? How would I, say, contact Bridges to Excellence? 
how does one begin to, say, the certification process, and what do you go through? Well, the process is, is usually pretty simple. I mean, getting data out of medical records or completing a survey isn't particularly hard. It is, as I said earlier, time-consuming. How physicians usually get started in these programs is a function of whether or not there are any incentives, financial incentives, that are being delivered to them in their community for recognition under these programs. And right now, you know, we have uh, implementations in about 18 different states, not necessarily throughout the, the entire states, but in, in certain areas of those states. So if, if you have an incentive around Bridges Excellence recognition in your state, then usually there's a fair amount of information that's generated by medical societies, physician groups, health plans about how to become recognized. If you don't have any incentives, then becoming recognized is a time-consuming project that doesn't yield much return. What sort of rewards or incentives are we talking about in terms of dollar cents? It really depends. And so we have started to establish these both different types of programs, different levels, as I said, but also really bringing a lot of this together within the construct of some of the national discussions around patient-centered medical homes. So overall, the incentives can vary from as little as $15 per patient per year to as much as $125 per patient per year. So uh, depending on, on the combination of programs, the level of performance, it can uh, amount to significant and substantial rewards. You mentioned level one earlier. Yes, that's the entry level. Could you give the audience an idea of what criteria they'd have to meet to be a level one entry player? It depends, again, on the type of program. We have condition-specific programs, and we have um, programs that are really designed to look at the types of systems and processes more broadly in a physician's practice. So on the latter, which is what we refer to as the physician office link, level one is really based on whether or not the practice has a formal way of identifying patients, logging patients into specific categories. For example, as a pediatrician, you would want to know how many of your patients suffer from chronic asthma. You'd also want to know, of those patients who suffer from chronic asthma, which ones seem to be under control and which ones seem not to be. So it really is a, it's the initial stepping stone for practice to start understanding uh, the typology of the patients within that practice the segmentation of those patients, and the first steps towards identifying specific resources, care management protocols that could be deployed towards those patient segments. We have a few minutes left. Healthcare is on the front burner. We may be facing national health care, which many of us physicians feel is not a bad idea. Where do you see the Bridges to Excellence program fitting into a comprehensive national health care policy? Well, I think performance measurement and accountability are, are essential elements of any type of reform. Uh, the other big driver, and this goes back to the genesis of the program, uh, was really to start shifting the dialogue in the community between purchasers and physicians from volume-based medicine to more results-based medicine. And, you know, we feel very strongly that any type of national reform around health care uh, ought to have a significant component in restructuring the payment system so that it starts focusing a little bit more on results and a little less on volume. One of the factors that I thought was very important about your program is that I understand physicians and the practices report directly to an independent third party. Uh, would that be something that you would insist on as part of a national health care plan as well? Absolutely. 
because you need to take the emotion out of the measurement. And so by delegating it to an independent third party, you get out of the mess of physicians um, feeling that the plans are somehow manipulating the data to their advantage, and vice versa, plans feeling that physicians are manipulating data to their advantage. So it, it really is an essential component to taking the emotion out and, and focusing on what I think we all want to focus on, which is better quality care. I'd like to thank Mr. Francois DeBrant for being my guest, and we've been discussing the Bridges to Excellence Physician Office Link Quality Improvement and Financial Rewards Program. I'm Dr. Bill Rutenberg. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. We welcome your comments and questions. Please visit us at ReachMD.com and explore our on-demand and podcast features, which gives you access to our entire program library. Until next time, I wish you good day and good health.